Welcome to Why Mastermind. The topics will be raw, unedited, and unfiltered viewer discretion is advised. Good evening, chat. How are you? It's been, oh, it's been a very, <laughs> good, very long time. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think we were saying it's been two years. Two, it's been two years already? I think so. I think so. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I was, I was checking out the the uh, interview part, the interview episode that we did. And yeah, I think it's been, I think it was like November, 2021, which is crazy. Cause like I had like, I was really like still right at the beginning. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 I mean, you had mentioned, like you had mentioned that you had just started your business just a couple months before and, and uh, yep. yeah. So, so for those who don't know you, do you mind just doing a 30 second elevator pitch? Just about who you are, what you're doing, why you're here on the podcast. <laughs> so a 30 second elevator pitch for me. Okay. What, what do we, what do we hope that like this, like, what am I selling? Am I selling like myself, my business? Like, what do you think? <laughs> well, 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 again, I mean, you're just, I mean, you're, you're just, more, 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 more or less introducing yourself, just talking about what you do, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Okay. Okay, I'll try my best to keep it under thirty seconds. Yep. I'm not known for bre- for brevity, <laughs> but I'll do my best. Okay. Uh, born, born and raised in the Caribbean, spent the first eighteen years of my life there. Moved to Toronto at eighteen, studied to be an architect. Didn't want to be an architect. Got into marketing and then retail. Kind of fell in love with retail, love brands, and then moved to Vancouver in 2016. Started working at Article, a furniture e-commerce startup. It was 40 people-ish when I joined. And when I left four years later, it was a 1,000. Oh, wow. So got to see some super fast, super interesting growth with, with you know, got to work with and learn from lots of, lots of smart, ambitious people. Uh, decided during the pandemic that it was time to scratch the itch that I'd had since I was a kid to start my own business. And Platts just showed up, really. It's it just kind of something that happened. And I decided, let's give it a shot. Started selling plants out of my living room and it moved out six months later once I started figuring out advertising and logistics and all that stuff. And two-ish years since then, we're doing okay. We're going to do about half a million dollars in sales this year. The goal is to sort of double every year until, I don't know, until we don't have, we're not having fun anymore. <laughs> but yeah, that's, was that, was that 30 seconds? I feel like it was probably like a minute, but that's, that was as brief as I could be. Fun. Yeah. You know what? You were, I mean, you were one of, I, I think, well, actually all my, all my guests that I have on the podcast are interesting in, in various different ways. I just, I just remember. I just remember t- 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 talking to you about your business, and and I was like, and I was, I was like, why, why, why plants? Like, mm. I, I, I would never have thought, I would never have thought that that, that again, that could still be considered necessarily a business that you would even have to do <laughs> now. But 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 it, but, it, but, it, but again, if it works, it works, right? At this point. Yeah, I mean the yeah. the the wife for me was I don't know. 
I think I think it felt very genuine. It felt like I'm from I'm from the tropics. I felt like this like you know sort of transplant in Canada. I felt like an export. And I felt like, you know, especially throughout my time in university, I, I felt sort of like, like I was bringing something from the islands <laughs> in myself. I always felt like anywhere I went, anybody I spoke to, I felt like I was always trying to sort of inject this like part of my identity and part of my culture that I think is like really, you know, interesting and like different, you know, in like, like the sort of global landscape. I learned for the first time when I got to Toronto that like we're sort of unique like Caribbean people of the on our culture is like really strange yeah. in like the best of ways I just wanted to sort of share that with as many people as possible and I got a lot of energy anytime I shared something about me whether it was like dialect or food or you know something that we do people loved it and they just wanted more of it and I wanted to sort of do more of that and I think in my you know, sort of short career so far, I'd always been looking for a way to do that in a professional sense. So how do I continue to sort of share this infectious sort of thing that I that I have that I want to give to other people? And plants just kind of showed up and I had this idea and I felt very like akin to plants. I felt like it was, there are all these plants from these tropical areas that are imported into North America, you know, live in our homes and they're all from the jungle, Right. So I felt, I felt this connection to like the plants and I wanted to share that with people. And the more I did, the more I just felt like this is so great. Like I want to do this more. And so it just kind of snowballed, I guess, to use a very non Caribbean slang <laughs> snowballed. It, yeah, just, it just kept going and I just kept going. And yeah, here we are. You know what? I, 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 I will say that, that again, for those who don't know necessarily know, up here in Canada, things are very cold most of the time. Plants, exotic plants, in terms of in terms of getting like the things that Chad sells are again imported, and sometimes they can be very expensive at times. And I know that during the spring and summer, my mom and my aunt are in the garden all the time. I I absolutely do not have a green thumb, and they try to get me to water stuff, and I'm just like I'm just like. I'm just like I'm probably gonna <laughs> I'm probably gonna drown if you leave, if you leave me unsupervised, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, just just really interesting about uh, just to say a little bit more about myself as well is really over the past two years, I've kind of gone from I want to start a business to kind of I still want to start a business, but I want to inject a little bit more of myself into what I'm doing, and not necessarily being afraid of bringing that out and and mm-hmm. how I and how I necessarily navigate things or do things. Yeah. But yeah, what have you been up to of late? What what's new? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think so last time we spoke, so two years ago this month, if if like sort of my dates are right, but I'm pretty sure that's when it was. Yeah, things were like very new. I think we had just moved into our first commercial space. So I had like just moved out of my, my, moved the business out of my living room, which was a pretty big, like first step, you know, sort of starting like a, a small sort of bootstrap business. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, since then we moved to a bigger location the following summer. And, you know, every time it sort of felt like we were getting too big for our space or too big for just what we needed, we would just move up a little bit. And we've never really had more 
than we've needed to just like operate the, the business. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just been about taking steps. You know, every time I get to a place where I sort of feel comfortable again, yeah. unfortunately, I then put myself into a position of discomfort to sort of stretch the business again. So all that to say that there's not been really many periods of just like doing nothing or just business as usual. Um, there's not been any of that at all. And we actually just, you know, opened a second location. So retail has obviously done, it's done really well for us. So e-commerce is, is, you know, how we started. And I think when we first spoke, I don't even know if I was doing many in-store sales at all. Uh, we're now starting to see online and retail sort of catch up or retail start to catch, sorry, brick and mortar start to catch up to online. And it's a, it's like still sort of 60% online, 40% brick and mortar. But we're becoming a lot more sort of balanced that way. And some of that is by design. We really like the experience of interacting with customers. It's, it's an industry that's really full of people, you know, like yourself who sort of self describe as not having green thumbs and getting to sort of talk people through the process of how to go from not being a green thumb to just feeling a little bit more confident buying plants is really crucial in the, in the journey. And we don't want to just like sell you something and then like hope that it lives. Like we really want to give you something that's like, you know, picked specifically for you and for your space. There really has, I haven't found a better way to do that as yet than in person. So even though I was very much an e-commerce advocate in the beginning and still very much do think that you need to be in both areas. Once I opened that first store, I was like, oh shit, like this is going to be a huge part of our business. I need to get very familiar with, with brick and mortar retail. Even though I did have a little bit of experience, I didn't know it as intimately as I knew e-commerce. And so now, you know, sort of building this like omni-channel business, like I've had to learn a lot. And, and, and that's been probably the biggest change, I think, since last we spoke is the, the growth plan is, is really more e-commerce is like supporting our brick and mortar business, but it's very much going to be sort of 50 50, I think, in the long run. Look at that. One of the big uh, energy retail retail magazine about a couple of years back, we were talking about retail and how it's actually shrinking. But again, mm-hmm. it is moving more like physical retail. Yeah, like like like, like, like more like I would say more like Walmart or like or like or, or like conventional conventional retail. Of like you going to the store mm-hmm. and you browsing your options and then you go to the cashier and pick your options things like that. You're talking mm-hmm. more about experience centers and things like that, how malls are kind of heading in that direction, even though it takes more time. You start to see mm-hmm. pop up spaces in in terms of, of getting in terms of them getting the anchor stores. Like I know for for me I'm from Scarborough. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Your like audio is like is like I I I can kind of hear you, but I'm I'm just like worried that like the audio capture is just like not going to be good for the recording. So I just want to make sure. <laughs> it sounded like you were just like really far away, and you're kind of cutting in and out. Okay, oh, hear me. Can you hear me better now? Yes, much better now. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so you're just talking about like anchor stores and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm from Scarborough. So, so again, the the actual big mall that's like Scarborough, Ontario. For those of yeah. you that don't know, <laughs> Scarborough, Ontario. There's a Scarborough. There's a, there's lots of Scarboroughs around the world, man. There's Scarborough in the UK. There's Scarborough in. Trin- there's actually a Scarborough in Trinidad. 
Okay, so okay, so subscriber of, <laughs> of, of of Toronto, but again, for a long time, one of our anchor stores was actually was actually not there. So basically, what basically what the mall ended up doing for, I think, a few months out of the year, was that they would do like the pop up for Halloween, a pop up for this, mm-hmm. that, until they were able to actually fill the space with ikea now so ikea is one of the anchor stores okay so so again that's uh, that's kind of what the that's kind of i would say more of the trajectory that that again me and the other guests that i was speaking to the head of of the the editor chief of of retail insider actually we were talking Mm -hmm. about about just the future of retail and again I'm I'm actually I'm actually really surprised that you were saying that again. Brick and mortar has become such a big part of your business. I, I'm also really curious. Are you are you are you guys getting are you guys getting like any international sales like outside of outside of I would say Canada? So yeah, we don't not sort of like because like we couldn't, but we don't ship anything outside of Canada right now. And even you know, I, I would I would really say that we're sort of like straddling, you know, small business territory and like startup territory, right? Like we're bootstrapped, we're self-funded and we're very much like a local business, but we kind of operate in a lot of ways, like, you know, like a startup. So we're always, we're pushing growth. We're opening new locations. We're expanding like our online reach and, and all those things like all the time with, with trying things and breaking them. And then, so a lot of the, a lot of the ways that we operate are very similar to like a startup, but we don't have like, you know, we don't have venture capital funding. And like, I have, I have no intentions of raising money because, you know, I really want to keep as much of this business in house as possible because there's, there's certain like philosophies that just don't, you know, don't jive with just making as much money as quickly as possible. And ultimately, when you take on capital, like that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to chase money at all expenses. And I want to be able to do things, you know, around hiring and around the ways we spend our money that you can really only do by retaining ownership. But all that's to say that aside from sort of the capital, venture capital stuff, like a lot of the principles that I'm applying to the business are very much borrowed from, you know, the DTC and, you know, the startup world. We just don't have like the money to do all of it. So like we're taking it a bit slower, you know, like, you know, this is where we just finished our sort of second, maybe like first true year, but our second year. And we've done, you know, $500,000 in sales, which is like fairly modest for, for a startup. But our like, you know, our margins are really good. We don't spend a ton of money on like shipping because we own our fulfillment. So I've done things in a very slow way. And I've been, I've listened very carefully to our customers and just to sort of see what's like happening in, in, the industry to sort of understand where the opportunities might be. And while I understand that like retail as a whole is shrink, sorry, physical retail as a whole is shrinking because e-commerce is growing. I don't necessarily think you can just sort of say that's true for every industry, you know, like there's some industries where physical shopping is still going to command probably more than 50% of, of market share when this is all sort of said and done. So when, We've completely like saturated every market, which is probably not that far away and nothing is growing and everything is sort of like even, you know, some things people are still going to prefer to buy in person. And I can almost guarantee that plants are still going to be one of those things. It's, it's because, you know, plants are alive, right? So every 
plants is a little bit different. And that was kind of the thing that I, I sort of like latched onto right away was that people really want to see their plants in person. So the goal shifted from, you know, investing a lot in online. It really started shifting to sort of just try and see how could we expand physical retail. And that's not something that, you know, venture capitalists or investors are going to love because it's slow. It's bulky. It has a lot. It's, you know, it's got a really high overhead at first. It takes a long time to sort of be profitable again. But I believe that this is like the right way to build the business that I want to build, like this business. So even though as a whole, physical retail might be shrinking in relation to, to e-commerce, I still feel like this is the, the way to win in this space. To win with plants, we've got to have stores. <laughs> okay, so I'm, saying, so I'm saying all of that. Would you say that because again, uh, uh, from that episode, Craig uh, 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 Patterson and I, the editor-in-chief of Retail Insider at the time, actually agreed that retail as a whole is evolving. It will, right. never, it will never necessarily go out of style. Like, for example, even though even though Amazon is looking to, is looking to do D2C, for auto automotive sales, I don't necessarily believe that conventional dealerships will ever go out of style. I think that dealerships. Sorry, man, your audio is like back back to like being like really soft. Okay, so I'll just do this. So, 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 so for yeah. I think so I think for regular retail, I think that it will continue to evolve. I think that players will get left behind. And, 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 and again, in some industries, it may shrink or it may go digital. But like you said, but like you said, things like plants or things like the automotive industry, things like I, I, furniture, groceries, like, yeah, furniture, grocery, you're like, you're probably going to still want that human connection. Yeah. And that's why, again, farmers markets are still big, lean markets are yeah. still big, right? Just for that human. Human bit of connection, and and again, the, the same could be almost said for li- li- libraries in a way as well. Just because mm-hmm. I, I know I know for I know for I know for us in Toronto, I, I saw this article that they were thinking about turning libraries into com- into more so community hubs. So like having it at the base of a condominium, so it's not mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily a standalone building, but it's, it's right. actually integrated not into a community center. Into a into an actual condominium building, so that people can actually right. use it as more of like a meeting space, which which is really where mm-hmm. libraries are really kind of heading to because they have they have all these programs, they have they have all these other other things that that the mm-hmm. library mm-hmm. holds or talks and things like that that would be really really helpful for the community that they're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I think like. Yeah, evolving is a good word, right? Like, I think if you ask people just to like point black, you know, are libraries useful or like, are there going to be less libraries in like the world? They would probably like this snap reaction would probably be yes. But that's because they're thinking of libraries simply as a place to go and borrow books, right? But a lot of people don't realize that like libraries have after school programs and libraries have, you know, you can even like, you know, now check out digital books from like libraries anymore. You don't have to have to go to the library. 
Yeah. So I think it's just like about understanding, you know, a lot of these things that a lot of industries fulfill have been around for thousands of years in some form or fashion, like retailers, you know, so they say like the second oldest profession on the planet and it's not going anywhere, but it is, it is changing. It is shifting. You, you mentioned sort of people getting left behind or businesses getting left behind. And that's actually one of the things that sort of excites me the most about in the, this industry is it's because it's not a very easily monetizable industry. It's not sort of very appealing to venture capitalists that it's one of those industries that's like a lot of garden centers are still being run on like fax machines. And, you know, I had a conversation with like one of our growers in like BC recently, and he was talking to me about how there's some of his clients that don't even have like the ability to email. And when I hear, when I hear that, I just think I just get excited because I think I am going to be the, the, one of the people who helps usher this industry into a new sort of generation, you know, to, and I understand, you know, the customer and I know e-commerce and I, you know, I, I see the value of like retail, but how do we build a plant shop and a garden center for this new, you know, sort of like era of, of retail and of commerce? And, and, and you know what? I think, I think that's the best place to be at time. I know, I know for, I know for us here in Canada, the, the, the actual, landscape to start a business is way more difficult than than in the US by a factor yeah. of a hundred. Yeah. I've heard horror stories of people saying, you know, you know, we've had to go down to the States to get funding. And and yeah. even for me, even for my own business, I, I'm like, I'm just I'm just trying to manufacture headphones and I'm not uh-huh. even able to I mean that's a that's a big operation, man. That's that's I, that sounds like hard work. It, you know what, to be honest, to be honest with you, it, it took, it, it just was, it just was a lot of, a lot of things, almost everything that could go wrong went wrong. Of course. Um, of course. And, yeah. and, 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 and again, to be honest with you, again, I had to really think things. And that's why, and that's why I often, I often, the new philosophy now is I want to build the, I want to build the company that I, that I want to build. It's not about mentors or, VC or raising money or mm-hmm. anything else like that. It's about because mm-hmm. again, especially especially in especially in the recession that we're in, that we're that we're in or heading into, as some may say, you know, mm-hmm. um, you need to build companies that are resilient. And mm-hmm. you're trying to manufacture stuff in Canada or trying to do something that Canada is not necessarily built for, it's going to be very, mm-hmm. very difficult. Like 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 even getting like even getting my parts. 3d printed i i went i went to a canadian from out in bc the packaging on the box was ripped and it was shredded and the measurements were wrong everything was wrong and i'm like and i'm like okay is this is this more of like is this more cognizant of the of of just our ecosystem and how and how we charge for things like i remember on one of the first prototypes that i that i did was i i went down to a fresh shop in toronto and they wanted $500 for a single unit. And it was just, it was just a charging station. It wasn't very big, but, but I'm, but, but I'm like, but I'm like, I'm like reasonably, I could probably go online, go to another country and get it for cheaper. However, I don't necessarily want to do that. I want to be yeah. able to build something that's uniquely Canadian for Canadians. Right. Right. But, but, but again, being able to actually get to that point. 
is, is, yeah. is again, like you said, it will be a labor of love. It, it, it will be, you'll, you'll, you'll make those decisions that, 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 that again will be slower, will be more, I would say more thought out, more methodical. However, mm-hmm. however, you won't necessarily have venture capital money coming in to dictate mm-hmm. how you, how you run your business and when you run your business. Right. Yeah. I, I think you kind of have to like decide. So, I mean, on the, on this sort of like note about, um, you said a couple of things there about, about getting funding in Canada and, you know, it being a little bit more difficult to get started than it is in the States. And it obviously has a lot to do with the fact that we're a little bit more conservative here. The way businesses are structured is also very different. So the, the owner or the shareholder is the one that's ultimately responsible for, you know, the money you're paying that back. You know, if your business goes bankrupt, you're bankrupt. So whereas in the States, you don't sort of have to take on that liability, or at least from, from the way I understand it. And then raising money is like, is much easier or a little, it is easier, but it also means that there's a lot more competition, right? Mm. So if, you know, I was in the States, like I would have way more competition. You know, there's like four or five companies that are all venture backed in the States doing similar things to what we're doing. Not the same thing, but, but similar. Yeah. So I think there's like, you know, there's, there's, there's bad things about it and there's good things about it. But ultimately, the fact that it's so hard to get started, it does kind of weed out some people from the very beginning. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've had some days where I've like definitely been a bit frustrated at how hard it is to just to get, you know, a loan or some, you know, credit or a little bit of funding. But ultimately, it sort of forces every business to be biased towards profitability, which ultimately is a good thing, right? Because if you are just biased towards growth all the time, like a lot of startups are, a lot of them are going to fail. And by a lot of them, I mean most of them. You know, every VC is investing in a hundred companies, expecting 97% of them to fail, 2% of them to break even, and 1% of them to make a billion dollars. So the problem with it is that within that, you know, those hundred companies, 97 of them had owners and founders and employees and people who like rely on those businesses. And what we've sort of seen in, you know, sort of post COVID is a lot of these businesses have to sort of fold or reduce staff completely. And all these people get fired and it's like, you know, it just, it just feels like sort of easy come easy go. And so I think I've sort of come to like appreciate I don't think it needs to be this hard. <laughs> I think the Canadian government needs to do a lot more to sort of make it easy for small businesses to, to get started. I mean, even things like having employment insurance or access to benefits or little things that you have getting a, a traditional job that you, that business owners really should have access to. And I, I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time advocating, but every time I get the opportunity to say something about it, I, I try to because a lot of people don't realize the sort of personal sacrifices it requires to start a business. And, you know, 65% of people in Canada work for a small, medium-sized business. And there's not really any infrastructure available from the government, you know, that helps small businesses get started, at least practical ones, in my opinion. And the, the reality is that we need money. So anyway, that's, that's my little tirade on, on starting a business in Canada. <laughs> the other thing, the other thing that I wanted to sort of like just mention that you, you talked about was like, you know, the ideal vision that you have for your business versus where things are at right now. And so in an ideal world, you know, you might want to manufacture headphones in Canada, but the infrastructure is just not there, right? The, the factories aren't there. The, the know-how isn't there. You know, how can you compete with a country like Japan that's been manufacturing, you know, headphones for 50 years? 
you want to get started today. You know, I mean, you could look at companies like Bose, who've done a really good job, you know, sort of getting things started from nothing, but it probably took them, you know, 20 years just to, just to sort of get going. Yeah. So you have to sort of decide what kind of company you want to be and what sort ultimately what kind of life you want to live, right? Because you're not going to get rich starting a business this way fast. It's going to be very slow. You're going to make a very modest living for a while. And you have to believe that if you continue doing what you're doing, the, the reward is going to be there. But it's not easy. So yeah, kudos to, to anybody who can do it. I, I think I think also I think also managing managing your expectation because again when you when you initially put pen to paper your business is is looking completely different from idea to execute from from i would say from 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 paper to to to, to day 1 from day 1 to year 2 or year 3 or year 4 right the, yeah. the 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 the, mar- the the market will tell you whether or not things are are working and 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 and, and again I, I think i think for me one of the th- things that i've really had to learn is 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 to is to again hold fast to to the idea of, of getting of getting where i want to get to but not necessarily being so focused on how I get there necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. so, so, so for things like, yes, I want to manufacture headphones, but does that necessarily mean I have to do all the manufacturing? No, mm-hmm. not necessarily. And, and, yeah. and even, even down to getting certified, because I know that in the last time we spoke, I was speaking about CSA and, and they gave me a very, very warm time. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get everything off the ground. However, however, trying to find someone that fit their fit, fit their certification to do certain things was even more difficult, and I had to do that on right. my own, right? And, right? And and you would think, and you would think, okay, Canada. I mean, I mean, yes, we have, yes, we have. We're not a manufacturing country by any means. However, however, we we, we do have companies that produce, you know loudspeakers or or other things like that and you would figure and you would think okay well there has to be someone right and there and there are certain mm-hmm. there are certain services that the government or, or that certain companies will provide but it's usually universities mm-hmm. or the or the public sector that, that you that you don't necessarily have access to as an entrepreneur and and like you yeah. said the government doesn't necessarily do a do an amazing job of propping up the entrepreneur I, I know especially for funding, they, they, they always do loans or any, anything else like that. And I'm just like, I'm just like, how much, how, how much different would it be if, if the government gave, I would say 50, 50, 50% loans for for-profit businesses, not, not nonprofit, just for-profit businesses. Yeah. And then just said, and then just, and, and, and then just said, what well, if we want to come alongside you? Right, even even, mm-hmm. even even in the black community, when when they when they were doing when when they, when they were doing the the the, and the black what is it the the black entrepreneurship fund, that mm-hmm. was mainly loans. Mm-hmm. Actually, ninety percent of it was actually loans. It was it was all it was all loans that had to be paid back, and it was running through the banks. 
So you're like, so I'm like, I'm like, hold on. The government, the, the government wants to support, keep, wants to support small business. We, mm-hmm. we got, regardless of race, but, but they're going about it in a way that kind of puts more pressure on the, on the small business owners. And they have to, they have to mm-hmm. be tied to a particular bank. They have to have a good credit score. If they don't have a good credit score, they're not, they're not going to make it. And as an entrepreneur, you mm-hmm. and I both know. Mm-hmm. Credit score is king over mm-hmm. here, and tr- just trying mm-hmm. to get funding is very difficult. Even mm-hmm. even just even something simple as a business credit card. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's it, it's definitely something that that I that I've spoken to other other entrepreneurs about, and they've said the same thing to me that that finding funding and even finding a footing in Canada is extremely difficult when it comes to starting a business, especially one yeah. that's more physical and not not so much like not so much like a consulting or like a di- or like a digital marketing agency or anything anything to do with more or less like the physical aspect of things it's usually usually a lot mm-hmm. more difficult mm-hmm. yeah yeah preaching to the choir man <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah okay, let's just jump into the next actually i think we i think we covered i think we covered like recent failures and and recent wins really but but again do, do, do you mind just going over any any recent wins any recent failures you've had uh yeah i mean recent wins i would say probably the biggest one is we you know we just expanded you know our retail to a second location a much more permanent location as well which was which was really exciting and really important yeah we had like a short-term lease in our first place which was great like that that sort of like you know sort of mitigated a bit of risk there by not having to sort of sign like a really long commercial lease which should be really challenging when you're just starting out and you have to sign these like five ten-year leases and you're like shit like i'm on the hook for all this money and i haven't even proven if this thing has product market fit which is a big challenge with with retail but now that we're a couple of years old and we sort of feel like we know what we're doing well, i feel like i know what i'm doing yeah getting this permanent location was a big a big deal and it's a great location in the city super accessible a lot of traffic and it was you know yeah so I think that's a pretty big, a pretty big win. It's just sort of solidifying the, the sort of future of, of Friendly in a very, in a physical way. It felt really good. Failures. Yeah. I, I mean, we're always, we're always sort of making mistakes. You know, every time we try to do something new. So, I mean, a good example is a second location, right? Like that's all of a sudden you have one founder who, you know, bears most of the responsibility for when people don't show up or things don't get done or there's an emergency. And, and now all of a sudden you have two physical locations, plus you've got an online business, plus we have a service business. Uh, we have a delivery service, like, well, so you're busy. you know, how I physically <laughs> can't be. Yeah. Yeah. I physically can't be in two places at once. Right. So I would say that was like a big, learning experience or failure, whatever you want to call it, is like just really underestimating what it was going to take to open a second location. Also from a financial point of view, like, you know, really underestimate like the amount of inventory we need to fill a bigger space and really just get things going. And it's it's a lot, you know, it's not like a website where like, you know, you just flip a switch, whatever, you change the color, like, you know, no big deal. Like just putting up a sign physically is, is way more difficult. You know, you've got to get like a sign paint and you've got somebody to print the vinyls. You have to buy the sign. You have to get it installed. You have to get a permit from the city. You know, <laughs> on, online is like, you know, and there's a reason why most people don't open physical businesses, right? It's because it's really fucking hard. So I don't know if I would necessarily consider that a failure because, you know, running and owning and growing a business is a constant series of 
mistakes and, and, and learning and just not knowing what you don't know until you try. But I would say that's probably been the biggest su- recent success and the biggest recent lesson have both been the same thing. And I think that that probably rings true for most things in life, right? If it's like really hard, it's probably going to end up being worth it. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna stop the recording and then and then I'll get us back on. Okay, okay, no worries. Thank you for listening to Why Mastermind. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, please visit the website and hit the be a guest tab. If you want the show clips, please read the folder description before accessing the clips. All relevant links are in the podcast description. All episodes are available wherever you consume podcasts.